CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we see a nominal Miko. Welcome to space. Hello, happy Thursday. Hello. Jake, you thought you were going to do the intro because I told you I'm low energy this week. Yeah, and then you just went right I into went it. For you it. just stole it. Well, because right at the last second, Eric Berger's camera snapped back into perfect clarity. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little dicey there for a second. We, we had no were... idea what's going on. Are you yeah, right? yeah. You're good. <laughs> this yeah. is it. Everything's here. This is the show. Welcome back. This is the show. Welcome back, Eric. Glad to be here. It's been a while. It's been a couple of months. That's a while now for yeah. It's for a lot Eric of cycles at this point. It's, it's a it's a long time. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah, there's a lot. There's always a lot going on, right? There is. This is that's the understatement of this decade. Jake I guess quit now. a podcast because there was so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't handle it anymore. Too much. Oh, and now I got like a little checklist in front of me of like all the things I want to ask Eric, and it's like it's. Wow. Yeah, I need a whole sheet now. So anyway, what's up? What's going on with you guys? Uh, not the best week in, in no. Philadelphia here. Yeah. Let me tell was you how my week started. That... It was Monday, yeah, right? I'm, yeah, a, I'm okay. a general Monday fan. I'm not a Monday hater, usually, as most people are. Um, except this Monday, where the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, and everyone was walking around super depressed, and it was also my birthday. Yeah. And then so all my birthday was just walking around looking at people going, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> uh. I mean, this is this is sort of the curse of being a, a football fan born in the middle of February. Like you're either going to have a great birthday or a bad birthday. Right? <laughs> That's just going to be like there's no in between for you. Right. Yeah. 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 So I'm still I just mean, paying back uh, what I received the year that Falcon Heavy <laughs> launched in which we won the Super Bowl. I stayed up on Broad Street till like 3 a.m. I got on a plane two hours later. We saw Falcon Heavy. I flew home and immediately went to a Super Bowl parade. That's <laughs> never going to be beaten. So. Yeah, that'll be tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had your birthday. <laughs> and my birthday was after that. Yeah, it's like yeah, that was the worst birthday because the week before was so good. And yeah. now this is the opposite. <laughs> I mean, you should just stop having birthdays. Yeah. yeah, I could try that. I'm old enough now. Yeah, you're in your 30s now. So this, that's yeah. when you get to start just, you know, trying to cancel them. It's fine. You, you said that as if I just turned 30. So everyone thinks I just turned 30 now. I like, know. And that this was the birthday that did it. <laughs> that was my, that's how I took it. <laughs> I should have let that myth last. Wikipedia, yeah. whenever I finally get a page, will have been totally wrong. My, my Wikipedia page says 48 or 49. Oh, so that's I the best. It. When it says not sure, because like they know a year, but they don't know when like it that. is. Because like, yeah, it makes you feel like a, someone born in the 1800s. Or it's like, I don't know. We found two pieces of paper and you can't figure it out. <laughs> he's got his birth certificate and he's got his driver's license and they don't add up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. So anyway, okay. All right. so I'm drinking a nice uh, Sly Fox Hell's Lager, Jake. Okay. Look at that Hell's, thing. Hell's Lager. Hellez. Hellez. Yeah. What's with the extra E in there? What is Hellez? Uh, I think that comes from the Commonwealth somewhere over in London. I don't know. There's a London Hell's Lager too, isn't there? I don't know. Okay. I don't no know. one's ever drinking in London with before. This one. No. <laughs> okay, fine. I, last time I, what did I drink in London when I was there? It was, uh, 
it might have been like the Australian beer. It might have been like Foster's or something. <laughs> I don't think I had a very authentic <laughs> experience. I don't know. <laughs> uh, breaking news in the chat. We do have somebody that works for the Wikipedia conglomerate and is ready to cite this podcast if Eric Berger wants to tell us his exact birthday. <laughs> this would do April- wonders for the show, by the way, Eric. So <laughs> April 19th, 1973. So oh, there we go. I will have my 50th anniversary here in a couple months. I believe this is going to be our second footnote. Yeah. Yeah. First being the time that uh, Jim Bridenstine apparently killed the idea to fly Tom Cruise to the space station because there's been no news after that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, what are you drinking today? What do you got? Uh, In honor of the best Super Bowl commercial this time, I'm drinking and and New Glenn's historic contract win. Um, (laughs) I gotta be honest. I what was the commercial? Was it good? Like I I literally saw no commercials. It was just sort of like a Bud Light, Coors Light battle off, and sort of this Mm. is a Coors Light, this is a Miller Light, and at the end it's sort of the bartender composed it's actually this is a blue moon commercial and it was really pretty funny nice. I, I thought i thought most of the ads this year were pretty bad like not entertaining at all mm. but that one's great hmm okay all right not, not having a direct rooting interest in the game this year yeah. sorry the <laughs> 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 philadelphia people um but it was you know it was it was a little disappointing hmm. no i've got a here i'll turn it this way Rio de Lumbre. It's an IPA de la mm. Costa Oeste, West Coast IPA from Colima. So I guess uh, they live near a volcano and they made a volcano beer. <laughs> I'm trying it out. Let's see how it goes. Never had this one before. So. Cheers. Good packaging. I'll give it that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did get a little nervous that you opened it before you turned it sideways. No, I didn't. Hey, this is good. This is the first, I think this might be the first, like, Good IPA I found in Mexico. They're not, they're not great at the IPA thing. I'll, you have I'll literally not been excited about a beer since you've moved there. So this I is know. great. I'm like, nice. <laughs> this is great. All right. We're jazzed. Do they carry this it at the beer be company or beer store? What uh, was it? Well, so the beer store is too far from me now. I moved. Oh, okay. So, but there's another, there's a brand new grocery store near my house that has like a great, like one of those like hipster Whole Foods craft beer kind of sections. And uh, that's where I found this. So it's for you. Literally for you. They're like, that one guy yeah. keeps coming in. Yeah, yeah. That beer fan just keeps <laughs> driving past this place on the highway. We gotta trap them. But that's how it goes. All right, what what are we talking about today? Because we have, um, gosh, I don't. We have a lot of stuff to ask Eric about. Where do you want to mm-hmm. start? Eric Eric even gave us a little little teaser list himself. What he wanted to talk about. So I don't know where you want to start. Suspiciously absent on the list was uh, Anthony being right damn near five years ago that we should have bought out the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're getting into Ooh. first. <laughs> uh, I, I, how long ago was it that we talked about this? It's been a while. It's been I, five I, years, I looked for it? it the last time that this happened, which was a couple weeks ago at this point, and I feel like it was 2018-ish when we were having a discussion about bouncing them from the program. Yeah, I mean, this is very concerning. We're talking about the progress um, vehicles uh, coolant leak issue, which is mm-hmm. shockingly s- similar to what happened in December with the Soyuz MS-22 vehicle attached to the station. Um, I have a yeah, really I mean, good conspiracy theory. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> and it's going to, it's, I think I've been thinking about this for a couple of days and I thought this is what I'm going to roll out as the opening segment of an off nominal Jake. I didn't even tell you about it. Oh no. Uh, oh. So Soyuz MS-22 leaks, right? 
we see the coolant spraying everywhere. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to do some investigation. I'm pretty sure they used one of their robotic arms to go investigate this first, right? They take some pictures. Used, they used the European arm European on the Nauka, Nauka module. And then that's the picture that they released this week. Uh, no, was, is that was that that picture? Because that was no, a that was, shockingly good picture. That was I, a Canada arm picture. Okay, that was a Canada arm picture, which yeah. they took after they used the robotic arm to go investigate yes. originally. So I'm going to say that there's a drill bit on the end of the robotic arm, and they drilled a hole in <laughs> the Soyuz. <laughs> and this time, they were the ones that did it on orbit. And then they took a picture, and they went, oh, look, there's a hole. Look, everything's fine. It must Something must have hit our Soyuz. <laughs> This is my uh, uh, horseshoe theory, conspiracy theory, in response to Dmitry Rogozin. I agree it's a horse theory. Um, <laughs> different letters you would end with, yes. I would, I would end with different letters on that. Um, you know, it's I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Honestly, the imagery that they released, for me, backed up the idea that it was a micrometeorite that damaged yeah. the Soyuz. I mean, it sure looked a lot like the shuttle dings we saw back in the day. Um, and so I kind of believe them when they say that. Uh, but it's awfully strange to, to think that something very similar happened two months later. Same kind of vehicle, same kind of cooling system. You know, it's a big mystery. NASA has not really addressed this publicly at all. Um, and so... You know, I don't know what it means, but it's very concerning. And this is, you go back to 2018 and there's, there's a long litany of technical issues with vehicle, Russian vehicles visiting or docking to the space station. Um, and it's very concerning. I mean, it's, it's a serious quality control issue, most likely. Um, they have, they pay their workers terribly. Um, they're probably losing out on important supplies from the West that they need to keep those vehicles up and running. Although this progress was, you know, probably built mostly pre-war because it got there in October of last year. Um, it's just the, the Russian space industry, sorry to say, is 60 years old, 70 years old, and is still running on technology that's 50, 50 years old. Um, and it, it's just... It's, it's fading away. This is exactly the kind of thing I think you would see from underpaid workers who don't have the tools, materials, facilities that they need to build spaceships. And um, I, I don't see it getting better. And so it's, it's you know, NASA is probably going to continue to sort of say, try to be a good partner and say it's fine, you know, yada, yada. But it, it's it's it seems to be an accelerating cadence of, of failures. Um, and it's a real it's a real serious issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's uh, like, it's, I was saying in our discord that it's, it's, um, it's starting to feel like we're really on the precipice of some pretty like serious stuff because as serious as it's already been, it, the trend line is just not good. And, you know, we, so Anthony and I were talking you know, they're, they're, they're moving the seat over for like the, the soil you seat over to the dragon seat liner. They're, don't don't they're push considering, it, Jake. Well, still, but like they're they're he's they're gonna come home on the floor in a sleeping bag. That's where we're yeah. at at the moment. <laughs> but, so, but the fact that that's even on the table really tells you how how serious it is, right? So here's how here's how good of a partner SpaceX was to NASA on that. I have it on good authority that within 48 hours of this incident happening. SpaceX had a plan to NASA whereby not just Frank Rubio, but the two Russians 
could come back safely on that crew dragon. Um, and they sort of had it all engineered out how it was going to happen. Um, and we're like, we're ready to support this. Um, NASA eventually, I think went to Russia and Russia, I think for political purposes, does not want to have that sort of does not want to have those seat liners moved over. Um, because it would look pretty bad, I think to the home audience, but you know, they've got, they've got options for getting the crew home safely. The, The fact of the matter is, you know, there is there, there still is no easy way for the space station to break apart to to if the Russians were to be jettisoned or or, or the relationship to be yeah. to be ended, you know everyone talks about the Axiom module which is going up which could replace the Russian service module in terms of functionality and so forth, but you know they recently delayed that to 2025. And as much as I like what Axiom's trying to do, I don't think they're going to be ready by 2025. And so you're going to need Russia for at least three more years, two and a half, three more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to my knowledge, I could be wrong about this, but, you know, there were suggestions back, you know, when the tensions were really high last spring and summer that the NASA ought to be putting on a crash course to build some kind of functional module to, to, you know, provide power and propulsion or, or to provide, excuse me, propulsion services. And to my knowledge, that hasn't happened um, or isn't happening. It could be, they could be doing it in secret somewhere, um, but I haven't seen the contracts or anything for it. So, you know, we're still kind of in this situation where space station probably could live. I mean, I think that between Northrop Grumman and SpaceX and potentially Boeing, they could sort of come up with a plan to keep things going. Um, but, but, the easiest and most straightforward road for NASA to continue to try to make this partnership work. Um, the question is, does that become untenable now for technical reasons rather than political ones? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's sad though that like this, this has, uh, like the final years of the space station have to be in a way that's like kind of limping across the finish line. It's such an undignified end for it. Like for this partner done. <laughs> In the history of spaceflight, the ISS will be a foundational thing, right? Um, so uh, really depressing for me that this is kind of where we're ending up with it. I think, you know, it's, 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 I think the history of the space station still has yet to be written. It, it will be the longest flying space vehicle ever, right? I mean, there's nothing that comes close with the Russian space stations. And I mean, ISS has been flying now for 20, 23 years, 22 years. Um, right before my birthday yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it all it all comes back to you doesn't it um so and i think but i think the biggest historical legacy of iss is going to be the fact actually that it enabled commercial space flight to take flight i mean with if you don't have iss you don't have you don't have cargo delivery you don't have crew delivery um and you don't have sort of really the opening of a frontier for commercial space activities in low earth orbit to take place. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been very important in that regard. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we'll see, I mean, it's not, it's not an undignified way to go. I mean, it's, it's old hardware. They're sort of trying to keep it flying. Um, and, and frankly, they need it because these commercial space stations are not going to be ready anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's going to get worse though. That's, that's kind of what I'm, what I mean the trend line is, like either we have to take a whole bunch of risks with these vehicles and you know if something tragic happens that's really not going to be a good 
good way for the the last years of the of the space station or something doesn't tragically it doesn't happen tragically because they just have to stop doing stuff you know they just like descope it until it's sort of withers out right like you send fewer crews maybe you leave an empty seat so that you can always send one crew back on the other vehicle like there's things like that you can do to mitigate risk that just pull utility out of the station and that's that's to me probably the likely thing that we're going to see and it's going to be not very good not great I was having a hard time with this. Uh, I was trying to find it. Um, Katya, who's on Twitter, she's like amazing uh, source that knows all sorts of stuff about the Russian space program, right? I think she lives near Moscow. In, I think in, so, near, yeah. I don't know. Um, she had a tweet a couple, maybe <laughs> last week or something, that there's an upcoming meeting where they're going to discuss whether or not they are going to extend their side of the ISS beyond 2025, that that hasn't been officially signed off on or whatever. And the way the tweet was worded, if I could remember uh, from the depths of my memory, it was more of like a, is this technically feasible versus the political side? So mm -hmm. that coupled with the fact that, you know, the, the post-Rogozin era of Roscosmos is trying to not be such shit stirs that they used to be, that they're actually, you know, having these joint press calls with NASA. It's like way the, the, the likelihood that they come out of that, like, I don't know that we can fly beyond 2026 has to be increasing every time we see one of these issues because the Svez is not I leaking always, any less. I always felt like those kinds of discussions were basically uh, an effort to get NASA to kick in more funding to the partnership yeah. um, to sort of, you know, they lost, they lost the Soyuz seat money, which was a lot. It was um, what, 240 million or something a year. Yeah, um, and, this would sort of be a way to kind of cover that shortfall where they could do maintenance and things like that. So I, you know, I, I, I agree. Technically it's a real question of whether station can keep flying, but the NASA people sure seem to think that everything is going to be okay. Um, and are, and are pretty confident in that. And so I kind of tend to trust their judgment on it. Um, but you know, these, 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 these vehicle failures, you know, we've seen them, them need to do manual dockings quite a bit lately um, with Soyuz and progress. And the, the coolant system failures. Now these are these have to be very concerning to NASA, despite what they're saying publicly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or what they're All not right. saying, because they haven't you know they haven't said anything. Um, and um, you know, there's there's now this Starliner um, teleconference tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's the question I'm going to ask because no one has you know they haven't no NASA officials have been publicly available since Saturday when the the progress issue first came up. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. A related national policy failure, as I see it, is not using this opportunity to fund the shit out of commercial Leo. Uh, as you're saying, Eric, the you know not not a lot of great signs that the commercial alternatives or the commercial follow-ons to the ISS are or can be ready on a timeline that really matters for what we're seeing in the ISS program. Um, there's a budget request that's going to come out next month or so based on the most recent. Oh, there was almost a beer spillage. It, like. it was almost spillage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was some weird uh, like procedural stuff that that I saw Marsha Smith posting about that indicates that the budget request for the next fiscal year won't be out till March. Usually is around now. Um, like at what point does NASA need to have a line item that is actually serious about ISS transitions? <laughs> You know, they've kicked in 150, 200 something million dollars on the last couple budgets. Like, 
what does that number need to be for us to consider it a serious effort? And is that ever likely? I don't know what the number is. It needed to be there a couple of years ago, um, I think, for them to really be moving forward. And there's there's a real concern in NASA. Bridenstine, you know, your buddy Bridenstine talked about this a lot before he left. Um, and he was right. They needed to be planning these follow-on commercial space stations. Is this this development is really a fascinating one for me to watch. I think it's one of the most interesting storylines in space of the, the this decade. Because each of the participants, I think, so there are four, right? Four. There's, there's Axiom. The there's Axiom. Three free, free flyers, yeah. Attach and then three free free, free flyers. Three free flyers. Three free flyers. <laughs> Say three free flyers three times <laughs> fast, right? Um, it's better than it, C did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you got the GI doc. That's totally different thing. Yeah. Northrop Grumman with a modified Cygnus. You've got Nanoracks and Lockheed Martin with an inflatable and Blue Origin with um, um, Orbital Reef, which is kind of this palatial station. Um, I think all of them have question marks, pretty big question marks. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard that one already has looked at the market and decided that it wasn't there for them. Like there was not much private market, so that they probably couldn't close a business case with outside of full funding from NASA. NASA's not interested. My The number I've heard bandied about for NASA is that they'd be willing to spend about a billion dollars a year. So if you're Northrop or whoever planning for a budget in 2029, and you're the only provider you could count on a billion dollars a year in revenue from NASA. So if there are two providers, it's you know half a billion or something like that. Um, so you got to go out and find out whatever it costs for you to fly and operate that station. You've got to go out and find that other money. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if that billion dollar money number from NASA includes transportation to and from, I suppose it does, but I don't know for sure. Um, so it's, it's, the, the, it's, it's really hard to build a space station, right? Because it's a it's a spacecraft that has to survive for a long time, um, and it's it's got to work, right? I mean, you know, it's 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 not simple. And it took a long time for SpaceX to build Dragon. It took a long time for Boeing to build Starliner and test it. And we'll see in a couple months if they're ready. Um, and so the the idea that that these companies are going to sort of pop something out in three or four years, I, I it's hard for me to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, Axiom is is make is furthest along they're starting to build some modules and sharing images of hardware from talus in europe um but it they still got a long way to go and so, that one's just as much at risk to the iss stuff as anything else so like that yeah. the axiom one is has no place in the conversation about what to do about the iss failing because it is going to be a victim of it as well that's right yeah if the iss fails then then that module's not independent until 2030 right their, yeah. their whole station so hmm. It's it's a it's a difficult situation, um, and you know I'm really interested to see the budget for that reason. Number one, what's the number for HLS, um, and number two, the human landing system. Number two, second most important for me is what's the number for the commercial Leo destinations, um, and you know, and we'll see we'll see how much we'll see how much um, Nelson can get out of OMB for that. Yeah, your, your buddy, your buddy, buddy Nelson. <laughs> you can have you can have him. <laughs> hey hey he's been great i'm sorry he's been great <laughs> oh dear okay that was the last episode we're not doing that one again <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta that yeah um yeah i mean so this is it is 
a really great point. He just said he just said the success the world's spaceflight enterprise runs through SpaceX. Of course he did. He's a politician. He knows how to take credit for shit he doesn't have to do with. What do you want from him? That's exactly what he should do. He also said he was the one that championed commercial space back in 2010. He did say it. Yeah. Run of the mill. I'm getting triggered. Um, so, Eric, what do, you, what do you think about the market for these space stations? Because this is, the, I mean, I always have the question about these markets too. Because like a lot of these, a lot of these cool new space ideas are often like dependent on creating new markets and not just you know cutting into existing ones. Do, like, are you feeling good about that, or do you think no. that you know these commercial Leo these commercial Leo destinations are just going to be commercial in that the contract type from nasa is different but they're just they're just nasa stations like what do you think i think if there was a robust quote tourism market we would already be seeing it on crew dragon and have you heard any announcements of any additional crew dragon flights beyond polaris missions no what is that not my and and my understanding is that there are no sort of secret trainings going on in Hawthorne for future missions. Now I could be wrong. I certainly don't have perfect insight there, but there has not been like lots of people lining up and saying, Oh my gosh, I want to fly on crew dragon. And my understanding is that again, imperfect information, but what I hear from people is that they're not like long lines of people for these Axia missions, the international space station. Um, so I don't know how robust, like, rich people going to spend a few weeks on these space stations is right now. Maybe they just need to see it in action before they'll, they'll sign up. Um, and so the question then becomes how many Saudi Arabia's are out there that want to send their own astronauts to space mm-hmm. for a few weeks. And like, I'm not and, sure. There's and no have ch- resources to part with to do it. Have resources. Everybody to part would like an astronaut, but Saudi Arabia is like, oh, we'll throw some cash that way. And like if you're Japan or Europe or a com- country with a launch industry or space industry, are you going to want to fund SpaceX to get your people up there? You're going to want to write a check to SpaceX for a couple hundred million dollars for transport. Um, so I don't know how big that market is. Um, and and I, I've never seen a study that said it's, it's, it's huge and, and bountiful. So that's what these companies are looking at right now. And, and I don't know what they're finding, but you know, it's, it's, there's certainly the, the only reason, the only way these things really exist is A, if NASA decides it has to have it. And so instead of spending a billion dollars a year, it commits to spending 1.5 or 2 billion a year. Or B, there's some killer commercial application that requires people living and working in space and in, in microgravity. And unfortunately, after 20 years of operation on the space station, about 10 of which have been devoted to sort of science and with limited commercial activity, we haven't found anything yet. I mean, I I can't think of a good reason for a company to spend, I don't know, like a hundred million dollars to send Joe scientist or Joe engineer or or Sally, whoever to, to a space station for a month. I mean, is what's, what's the business case for that? Yeah. I almost wonder if there's like a, do you guys uh, have any answers? I don't have answers. Not only that. I, I, I have a conjecture. I have, I have, a, oh, all right. nice. I have a theory. So, I mean, I wonder if there is a way to like, if there is a, a career, a job of a professional go to space and set stuff up for people, you know, and these stations could be these platforms where there's a hundred long-term automated 
test things running, some sort of device that you need to go in, set up with a person, turn on, and then leave for six months and then come back and pick it up. And so you'd have like, you know, one, two, three people that would go up on a flight, set up literally like hundreds of experiments for this long-term batch and then come down. And so those like, it's almost like a ride share, but for astronauts, you know what I mean? Like, like a whole bunch of companies are buying some, some amount of time from one person to go and, and do a thing. And there's like this mercenary that goes up. I don't know. This is an idea. I had, <laughs> can't, can't you do that on the international space station right now? If you're, if you're 3M and you've got an idea, you probably could get on the manifest in 18 months or two years, right? And have an astronaut, you can probably even get astronaut time for free or for pretty low cost. Um, I, we, we just haven't seen the commercial potential yet. And everyone always talks about, well, they could grow organs in space or maybe they could do s- semiconductor manufacturing or you, know, you, you hear all these ideas, but you know, maybe I'm too narrow-minded, but it's, it's just, I guess until I see that actually happen, it's hard for me to believe yeah there's a whole lot of industry to be done in microgravity at the prices we're talking about. And when that happens, it won't need NASA to urge it along. NASA is no longer supporting the semiconductor industry. You know, yeah. you can look historically yeah. and say like, Oh, Apollo inspired all this. And it's like, well, that's not the case anymore because it's overtaken. And this conversation, I had Lori Garver on Miko last week as something she said uh, about the fact that, Commercial LEO destinations are actually not racing the end of the ISS, but they're racing the start of Artemis surface operations. Because once that happens, mm-hmm. there's no more interest in LEO. I've been over the last week. I've come to the realization that I no longer support commercial LEO destinations as a national program that NASA should undertake, <laughs> because we are falling victim to exactly the same thing that the Russian space program, which is doing, which is this is the only point of pride. Continu- continually fly people in LEO, so we're going to just pay whatever it is to keep doing it. If if no company can come up with a business model that works and NASA doesn't want to fund their own, like, okay, let me flip this around and say, if no commercial company was interested in the commercial Leo design uh, contracts that came out in 2021 or whatever it was, would NASA have undertaken a, a program in-house to build a new space station? I would say no and point to the fact that they're going to let the ISS fall into the ocean before they fund a propulsion module to take over for the Russian half. So if NASA itself is not incentivized to build a space station to continue a LEO presence, how are they going to motivate any company to do that when there's clearly not a gigantic market here that's rare? Like, at some point, will there be? Probably. Is there right now? No. Why are we going to continue to support that? They have four companies that are interested in it. And if you take NASA out, how many are left? One? I think one. Maybe zero. Who's the one? (laughs) Blue might just keep doing nope. it because they care nope. about doing it. Nope, nope, nope. You think they're gone too? 100% sure. They, they, well, then there you they, go. Yeah. They, are not, they are not. Here's what I've been told. I've been told by people I trust that Bezos, Jeff Bezos is not particularly interested in low Earth orbit space station. Um, if he can get government money to help fund its development, great. Keep going. If not, he's going to move on to all the other things he's working on. Hmm. Great. Skip it. China's getting stuck at their station now for the next 10 years. That's been my thesis about their station since they put it up. Russia's clinging onto it because it's the only thing they can do right now, is, f- and they're struggling at doing that, flying stuff to LEO. Let's just skip it and not put the budget line item in for commercial LEO anymore. Artemis looks like it has some promise politically and technically. Let's move on. I think that's a, I think that's a wrong-headed approach, Anthony, because I would say that Artemis is initially at least is happening one time a year for a week or two. 
Um, and you, if you're going to be a spacefaring nation, you really ought to be a spacefaring nation. So if you have a budget of one to two billion dollars a year to maintain a presence in low Earth orbit, I think that's well worth the seven to eight percent of your space agency budget, civil space Forever? agency budget, to maintain it. Forever. You gotta, should, you gotta, like, prime, you gotta prime NASA the pump. Should, NASA should hey, prop hey, up the horse hey, industry. Hey, we should ride who, more horses in this country, and NASA should keep hey, us doing it. What if we don't care about Leo? What if we do care about Leo? I mean, I, I care about Leo. I mean, it's. I think we ought to preserve it, and I think we ought to we ought to be figuring out what to do up there. I mean, it's. You know, what if we'd had the same attitude toward launch twenty or thirty years ago? Only the government. You know. I mean, the government did it until the private sector came along. There were businesses that were doing stuff in launch outside of the government anyway. There was like satellite telecom industry, which is the one killer app for space that always has been. And now it's like a purely commercial enterprise, right? Precisely my point. I just, but I don't think just waffling in Leo at a station is going to develop that in twenty years. You don't get there overnight. (laughs) It's getting hot. I love it. It is getting hot. (laughs) It's getting hot. Man, Once I did again, not have on my, on my bingo card uh, that Anthony would become the number one fan of the Lunar Gateway. I just did not have that on my list <laughs> I flipped back and today. forth so violently, <laughs> but I just, I, like, how many decades are we going to spell? <laughs> and NanoRacks and Lockheed Martin and Northrop and Axiom do not come on Anthony Colangelo's shows. He's a hater. <laughs> Had them all on, talked to them all, still am unconvinced. Like, <laughs> that's my point, though. Like, how, I just don't know how many decades we need to spend like let's try the lunar surface it's within our grasp at the moment let's just try that one for a little bit and see if there's more if there's at least as much interest as going there as there is going to leo because other than the businesses running the place the operators i'm not seeing a lot of interest you know even if even on the iss like if you didn't have that subsidy every program major, to develop every major us aerospace company has a has an interest at present in commercial leo destinations Exactly, but like, are they they are really struggling to find these customers at the end. You know, we don't know that. We 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 are making suppositions here, but maybe we're wrong. I'm not, I'm um, I'm going to rely on my vibe checks, which I did to suss out the astrobotic launch date, and my vibes are not good on finding customers because <laughs> they're all just pissy about NASA can't support us all, and they need the down select to You're less of us. That on one quote from Mary no, 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 no. Again, we've had all these on the show, and none of them have good vibes. One data point. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an optimist either. Look what Bob Bigelow said. He was going to do a study on the market for commercial Leo, and then like a year and a half later, his company went bankrupt. So, he was like, "What about yeah, UFO it. research?" Again, the vibes aren't great, but I mean, let's. I think we've got to do the experiment to get the results. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's where where I fall to. I think I agree with Eric. It's just like maybe it doesn't like make sense to do it, but just the if NASA can get away with only spending one billion a year to incentivize a company to go at it and go hard at it, maybe two companies. Yeah, man, a billion dollars in that. It's not that big a deal. We've wasted way more on crappier stuff with NASA. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm fine with that. There's an elephant in the room here too, right? I mean, okay, so you got these companies that all except for Orbital Reef are relying on Crew Dragon to get people up there, right? Because it's the reliable system. It's the one that's going to be flying often. It's the, by far, it's the lowest cost. But what if SpaceX decides, well, you know what? whenever the operational commercial Leo destinations contract comes out and says, you know what, we're going to put a starship up there 
And we're going to provide all of these services, plus an airlock, plus, you know, we can bring our people home. You know, you don't, you don't need transportation up and down. We're the transportation up and down. I mean, if I were a business person at Axiom, that's what would concern me. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, we're going to spend six years building our space station, but <laughs> SpaceX in six years will have launched Starship 200 times. And, you know, all of a sudden they can take people up for, well, you want to go for two weeks, you want to go for six months, we can customize your your order. Um, and, and so I, I think that's another threat to the business model. I just yep. think, Anthony, fundamentally, you don't abandon the territory you've claimed and, and Houston or humans, excuse me, have, have sort of put down a marker in low earth orbit. And I don't think we should step back from that. My general thesis on your most recent point about Starship going up there and just flying some short duration missions or whatever it is, is that that, that would be a response to demand. And even if, you know, launched as an example, did NASA will SpaceX's launch uh, industry into existence or did it did SpaceX start banging down the door and take good opportunity of commercial cargo and crew when it came about I would say that's a complicated story in a year or two you ought to buy a book about that always be closing I mean it was it was a NASA had a need and SpaceX met that need and, and they went above uh, the, the genius of SpaceX and Elon Musk you know for, for better or for worse you know, what you think about him, but the genius of him is that he saw beyond the contract from NASA, the the government opportunities and sort of had his own vision for what the future would look like and was willing to invest money and time and personnel into bringing that about. So he, you know, it's, it's some of both like NASA had the opportunity, but SpaceX seized it and Mm -hmm. built upon. And and Jake, what is our current SpaceX thesis? Which one? That they are the extreme outlier of all outliers. Yeah. Yeah. And furthermore, all of this continues to make my point. NASA's commercial cargo and crew programs did not bring about a huge commercial market. It brought about Mm -hmm. SpaceX being the dominant. And it also brought about Antares. And it also brought about Starliner. And it also, you know, like, there is not a huge string of successes here of NASA being able to will a market into existence. And if that's my problem. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But, you know, you, you got to look a little bit further beyond the companies like Planet, which have also sort of, you know, there is a commercial ecosystem coming. The, the, the commercial space industry today is SpaceX, like, like the big sort of giant elephant in the room. And then some other companies that are starting to have success like Planet. And then a lot of promise and BS on the other side, which may or may not come to, come to fruition. It's still so early in the game. I mean, I actually... You know, I think CLDs, commercial destinations, are important because it continues that experiment. And as you sort of broaden the commercial access to space, maybe some really important ideas do fall out of that. Um, but but it's, it's sitting here in 2023, it's hard for us to, to see them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as you broaden access and opportunity, some will fall out. I mean, it's a kind of a thing like it's it's like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And you got to have some faith in it at some point. Do we beat this one to death enough, Jake? I think we may have, yeah. yeah. Should we should we dovetail? <laughs> I think should Eric and I need to go out for drinks in person soon because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah, been, yeah, long, it's been a long time. It turns off. Um <laughs> so maybe maybe we should talk a little bit about Artemis then, which is the other alternative here. Uh, we have a static fire done. Pretty mm. big news. Uh 
done done ish. Done done as in SLS completed its wet dress rehearsal. Thirty-one no, out of thirty-three. I think, I think I, everything I've heard is that they're very happy with the data they got from Static Fire. Nice. Okay. All right. So, uh, do, do we dare make uh, revised launch predictions? What Wait, do you think? I just have a question <laughs> about that. Are they happy? As in, this went great, or if we put any more thrust into this launch mount, it would have blown to pieces. No, I think they're happy in the sense that they got, they felt they got what they needed to press ahead to an orbital launch attempt. Perfect. All right. Launch mount, be damned. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't have great insight into the ground systems and, and so forth that they're building and, and what, how much they're going to survive launch. I mean, it's, it's obviously a very powerful rocket. And we saw what happened to, um, you know, what happened to the SLS launch tower in Florida um, where they blew yeah. the doors off. Um, and they, they obviously had planned and spent so much money on that, the, that infrastructure. So, I mean, you know, I think it's kind of SpaceX is like doing the bare minimum they need to, to, to survive. And they got lots of data from the, the static fire test that they're going to sort of, I think, do what they need to do to make sure those ground systems are hard enough to survive the launch test, but not do more than that. And so maybe they, they found the line kind of on that. And that's really, I think that's really the big holdup now between the launch attempt is, is sort of working on the orbital launch mountain tower and stuff to make sure it's ready to go. So are you going to be 50 or 49 when it launches? At this point, I would say it's probably before I turn fifty. I mean, I, I, th- I would, I would, I would think first half of April is a reasonable guess for a launch window. I mean, it's close. It's not. It's not like. I mean, they static fired the thing, and it, it did. It did fine. It, it yeah. lived to fight another day. I mean, it looks good. Ooh, okay, it's true. I mean, I guess I'm wondering how much insight we'll ever have to the launch licensing process. But I remember also when we were all hot and bothered about whether they'd be able to get clearance to fuel the whole thing. And they've done that. So, I mean, mm. they, they got the, they got through the whole process. I think the launch license comes when they need it. You know, those things kind of always come down at the last minute and, but SpaceX has built flight termination systems now for Falcon one, Falcon nine, Falcon heavy. I mean, they starship, they're not idiots, right? They know what they're doing. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my, could be wrong, but my sense is that when they need the launch license, it'll be there. That doesn't seem like a huge hurdle for me. Yeah. All right. Um, so we have another lander contract coming down the pipes this year, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Who's going to win? Who do you guys think is going to win? I think we're already on record for this, aren't we? Yeah, we Didn't are. We, we put a prediction yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. So I, I said blue just because... I don't think that Jeff Bezos will allow them not to win. I don't. I think after all of the hubbub that we had with the last attempt, they're going to do. They, they might just give it to NASA, like if whatever it takes to win this, this contract. Bob. Yeah, whatever it takes. Honestly, <laughs> whatever it takes to win this contract is what, what Blue Origin is going to want to do. And I don't know if that means success or anything, but, but that's that's my hunch is that they're going to go for it with all the all the gusto you can imagine. My counterpoint to that would be Bob Smith. Mm. Um, uh, but, and, and, you know, I, it's a great question. I, 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 I'm with you, Jake. I think, I think Blue Origin is the favorite to win. But I heard that, you know, I heard that um, Dynetics put in a pretty good bid. And so mm. I'm, not, I'm not ruling them out. Um, but their, their big issue, the huge issue that they face is that unlike SpaceX and unlike Blue Origin, they are not – you know, they are financially constrained. They don't have 
a yeah. billion do- billionaire sugar daddy sort of willing to underwrite the cost. I mean, Bezos wants this bad enough that he's going to be willing to put in billions of private money that Dynetics and its partners, I don't think, can afford. So at the end of the day, that may be the difference maker um, for, for this. But I, I, I don't think it's, it's – it's, it's a fascinating contract, um, you know, and, and, and we'll see what happens. I, I guess what was the – I knew the date. Is it, is it May or June or sooner than that? What's the, what's the timeline for – It's on our calendar somewhere. May sounds right. I should, I should know this, but – I think it's I think it's June July June July time frame, um, yeah, yeah. but it's it's coming and it's going to be a huge decision. Obviously, NAS get their pants suit off if they pick Dynetics, but if Dynetics picks the best bid, you know, then yeah. if Dynetics submits the best bid or the one that NAS thinks is most likely to succeed, succeed, they should pick it. I'm really curious because the the so the previous Dynetics bid had some uh, uh, mass margin problems, right? And I think I'm told they the, address. I'm told they address mass margin problems. Is a nice way of saying it, it was way too heavy. I think they've yeah. addressed that. Well, and, and I'm curious about how because I think this contract is also not just a copy of the previous one. It's got higher requirements, doesn't it? Doesn't it require more more surface mass to go up and down? And so, like, not only do they have to fix the last bid, but they actually have to make it better to to match this bid. So that's going to be interesting to see sort of what changes in the design. And they have Northrop on their team now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe that's the trick is they they added an extra tug so they can take yeah. more fuel. Um, I don't know. Um, more Cygnus. The only solution is more Cygnus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Someone okay. make, the, make the meme. I got a fever. <laughs> I got a mass margin problem. <laughs> and the only solution is more Cygnus. <laughs> I mean, if Boeing traded Northrop for, for – I mean, Blue Origin traded Northrop for Boeing. I'm not sure how to feel about that yeah. trade. Um, <laughs> But yeah. it's uh, politically, politically, I think it improves Blue Origin's chances of winning. But it, it's, it's. Have they called I mean, Doug Lavero for a referral for that one? <laughs> Maybe they do can they get know, him on the team. Do we yeah. know what Boeing's doing on on the on the proposal? Like, are they building a module, or is it like operational support? Like, what is the? You know? I think their contribution is lobbying, but I don't honestly. <laughs> that's a bad joke. You got a I don't, great I don't office know. on K Street that they can hang yeah. out in when they're waiting for the why. response. Yeah, they got great you gotta snacks. Bring, you got to put your people in your places. You know, you got to. You got to. I don't know what I don't know what Boeing's you know contribution is, but yeah. um, I'm sure it's very important. <laughs> they're going to actually buy the uh, Virgin Orbit 747 back, as we've discussed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just use that to ferry everyone around the country. Have you guys been following the Virgin Orbit story? Yeah, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> I gonna mean, be I've been... forty-nine or fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like I I normally am like don't really want to listen to earnings calls, but man, that earnings call is gonna be must listen for me. It's just it's the financial smart. I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to financial numbers, but smart financial people so, tell so me you didn't what... buy Lunar this week because you would have made a shitload of money. I. <laughs> I tweeted this. I, I think, you know, lunar stock is going to pop when they land on the moon. And then it's probably a pretty decent investment in the short term. Um, but I don't, buy, I don't buy, I don't buy, I don't buy space stocks. I write about the space industry. So I, I think that's a conflict of interest. Um, I have no financial interest in SpaceX or any, any space companies. Um, but, you know, Smart financial people tell me that, you know, that the loans, the timing of the loans, the nature of the loans, the terms of the loans from Richard Branson, 
which the last two of which have been secured loans are should be very concerning. And if you were a private investor being asked to invest money in Virgin Orbit, you'd be like, why would I want to invest in a company where all of its assets are secured to another creditor? Um, what's why would I do that? Um, it just it's ten million dollar investment that, that also included keep, that clause, right? It was like ten or fifteen or five or something it's a pretty like that. Good the price on a seven forty seven alone. I mean, it was <laughs> the last two were like twenty and ten or something like that. I don't yeah. have the stories in front of me, but they were small. They were small loans in um, November, December, and, and January. Um, it's very concerning. I, I think. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about this before. I think they spent a billion dollars developing a rocket that will never ever possibly pay that back. And if they fly it ten times a year, they're losing money. So where is the long term business case? It, you know, the only thing that saved them, in my opinion, would be if the UK somehow bought the assets and wanted because they wanted a sovereign launch capability. Um, but then it blew up or it failed over the launch from Cornwall. So that was another sort of really pretty bad sign for them. I mean, they are in financially very, very difficult position. Um, it would not surprise me if on the next earnings call they entered, they, they sort of announced that they were sort of considering their options for what to do financially. Um, but it's, you know, I, the last round of funding from Branson sure felt like that was enough money to meet payroll for a couple, for another few weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a private company. I don't have great optics into it. It's, just, it's very concerning. And, and, you know, you, you know, this, the, the small launch industry economics that are terrible. Um, you just can't make money, much money, any money yeah. launching. So it's, it's, yeah. Relatedly, uh, India's small satellite launch vehicle now has a successful flight behind it. And I still am like struggling to understand that these figures are accurate, but I've seen them quoted a lot that the development price was two, 21 million US dollars and the production cost is 4 million. And it can carry like 500 kilograms to sun synchronous or something. Yeah, that sounds so pretty good. It's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> well, that's a real barn burner. It's, it's, I don't, I, I buy labor, that. Labor I mean, they, yeah. they could be fudging the numbers and, you know, using free labor from ISRO employees and, and that's only like parts and time. I don't know. But I mean, you know, it's India labor costs are less. Um, and they, I, presumably they use technology from the polar satellite launch vehicle or, yeah. you know. It's all solids until the upper stage too, so. But I can totally believe that the production cost is $4 million. That makes sense. I mean, that doesn't strike me as weird. I mean, they kind of blew us away with the, their Mars mission costs, right? Exactly. So, the the MOM mission. They can do some pretty pretty incredible stuff for for a low cost. But yeah, yeah, and that was cool to see them hit. That was cool to see them be successful. I mean, that's great. I mean, it's hard to do that. Hmm. All right. Well. Okay. Well, we got we got some good uh, good predictions on the on the I, record again. I also had some breaking news. Some trouble. Uh-oh. Breaking Uh-oh. news. We have the meme. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going into standard rotation for sure. <laughs> that's going to be I used. Had, I had to play the cowbell video because I, I made a reference to my daughter who's in um, a sophomore in high school recently. I said, I got to have more cowbell to something. And she's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so I sat her down and I played her that sketch. And she's like, yeah, that's pretty funny. 
this comes oh, this from Saturday uh, Live the notable rare North American space koala mm-hmm. is uh, who that's attributed to on Twitter. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for yeah. your meme creation. <laughs> <laughs> but the bio says space memes. So uh, <laughs> have more seeing this. Um, <laughs> Eric, what are you, what are you working on? What's coming up for you in terms of new pieces and stuff? What's, What's coming down oh, that the burger pipe? The burger pipe. Um, you know, I'm trying to trying to work up a think piece ahead of Starship's launch to sort of imagine. And you guys, you guys should help me write this. Like, what? How does if Starship is successful? How does that change the space industry? Well, we got lots of thoughts. None of them are founded in any kind of evidence. <laughs> um, so it kills, it kills commercial Leo, much to my <laughs> appeasement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the, the ironic thing is one of the commercial Leo space stations is launching on starship. So, um, it's kind of like SLS and HLS and Artemis. And so it's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, uh, it's, so I'm working on that, you know, just other things I'm trying to write this second book and it's just, it's a lot of work. So any teasers or did we get enough of a teaser earlier? (laughs) I will say we talked about about Falcon five, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's about it's about the Falcon Nine, but someone someone sent me an email. Bob Smith sent to Uh-oh. the Blue Origin workforce in was it 2019? twenty nineteen? Was whenever Mazawa was announced for his launch on Starship. Elon and him Yasuku Mazawa, I think is his name, had the event at, at Hawthorne, and, and Smith, Smith sent this email. It just it just in retrospect, he just looks so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just you know anyway uh, it, it's it's going it's going well it's just it's a lot of work to sort of try to capture the development of the Falcon Nine the early missions and sort of what it's ultimately yielded to industry so I'm working on that that's but that's a ways away. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So my friend, my if I can plug something, my my show. friend Ashley Vance has a book coming out when the stars went on sale. I think is the title of it. Um, and it's about, uh, it's, it, it focuses on four companies, planet, Astra, uh, Firefly and, um, uh, Virgin Orbit. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Worldview. No, 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 no. And, um, oh, rocket, God, rocket lab. Um, it's, it's. <laughs> It's excellent. It's 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 for people who really are into the space industry. It's 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 really well written and it's very interesting and insightful. And it it exactly yeah. Um, when does it come out? It comes out um, May 9th. I don't know May ninth. Anyway, it, 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 it as I'm reading it, I'm realized that I have not paid enough attention to a company like Planet, which really has a pretty amazing backstory, um, yeah. and, and it's pretty revolutionary in what it what it achieved. So it's, it's excellent. Ashley, of course, wrote the Elon Musk biography has great access and, you know, is very shrewd in his analysis. Well, it sounds cool. like you're going to hook us up with the connection to have him on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> he has Absolutely. been on our list for a while, so that would be good to, good to chat <clears throat> for sure. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Good, great tweets. Cool. All right. All we've right. we've yeah. shared, we've shared war stories on working with Elon for book <laughs> projects. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it's ripe for content. Yeah, yeah, we need to we need to have that show. I think. But, <clears throat> Did he make um, you mention him a thousand times more in your book, randomly one day? Hmm? This is this is a Twitter. This is a Twitter thing. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't catch wind of this? 
Well, did all your did all your tweets that say Elon in it? Did they get like more exposure this week? Is that something that happened <laughs> no. for you? No. <laughs> no. Five hundred boosted instead of a thousand in the algorithm. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with that. It's just you know, it's distracting. Yeah. From yeah, not in well, not in our job description, right? That's we're the, on Mastodon. Yeah. Spacey, not space. You should get on that one, Eric. That would be good. I know yeah, you're on that yeah, other yeah. one that somebody set up for journalists, but. You probably haven't looked there's at a, it since you set it up. A, no, there's a space um, instance. That's the term, Spacey. right? A, space. Yeah. Who runs it? No uh, idea. <laughs> I think it was whoever's also behind Tomorrow and the SpaceX streams or something. Oh, uh, interesting. Unverified. I kind of feel I'll like do the, some research. the instances are, are kind of like subreddits in the sense that like whoever's running that instance, kind of you're at their mercy. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So... We would all get on yours if you want to run one. That would be fun. I yeah. do not. I, I read a Financial <laughs> Times piece a few weeks ago saying we set up a financial or we set up a Twitter inst- or a Mastodon instance, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> so we're, we're shutting it down right now. So. It's never going to catch on outside of like nerdy spheres. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Not going Turns anywhere. out humans like centralization of communication <clears throat> technologies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Anyway. Anthony, what are you working on? Well, I mentioned I had Lori Garver on and we mm. talked about, I thought it'd be cool to talk to her about current space policy things since she spent the last six months just talking about what was in her book. Uh, so we kicked around a lot of the same topics we talked about here, but uh, from her perspective of what would she do if she was back at NASA and how could she handle some of these situations? And honestly, like we were talking about SpaceX being the outlier and I brought that up on your wishes, Jake, to see like, Hey, this happened, you know, in the wake of policy that you were in charge of, like, now what, you know, you've got, you've got an outlier sweeping up everything except for apparently escapade, which is a whole nother story. We didn't get to that. That's why why I'm late late breaking notice. New Glenn sold an escapade launch for $20 million, which is a number (laughs) I had heard floated as a launch price before, but that's a whole nother thing. So I was drinking one of those when we heard that launch price, strangely enough. (laughs) (laughs) Jake knows why I was drinking that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, huh, yeah, no, I'm excited. And we've got Lori on next week, right? Next week, she's coming back. So, uh, so we're going to be able talk to... about Brooke Owens stuff because that's just uh, they got a whole new class. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll get into some of this. So we'll have a little bit of a through line from yeah. Nico to yeah. our conversation today with Eric to Lori next we week. We need to so. then have Casey Dreyer on pretty soon, too. Yeah. She and had some spicy Casey Dreyer content. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> we're so. just going to change the gossip. It'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lori's Lori's great, and she gets a lot of she gets credit for sort of fighting the good fight on commercial space, and and deservedly so. I mean, that was she was fighting that fight when there were everybody in the industry was pushing back pretty aggressively against it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, join the Discord, people. Offnom.com/slash/discord. Offnom.com/slash/discord. There's a thing now that you can join by just going there, and uh, you can you can never fly rideshare, Jake. If you're yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, we, we have, have a, a tier called we Never have a new, Fly Rideshare. Um, a new Neverfly rideshare person. Yeah. It's it offers the same benefits as the regular price, but it just costs a lot more. So, <laughs> oh, are you man, shouting man. out? Are you doing a Neverfly rideshare shout out at the end here? Yeah, we've got uh, Ian from uh, creator of Max Q. I guess. Is, oh, nice. Is, That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, someone who's never flies rideshare. I think there's and another one too. I think there were, there might be three now. Is there three yeah. now? There's a couple. Yeah. So. Eric's yeah, next. I see him dialing it in over there. Those two. So <laughs> if we if we miss it, we'll come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see you later, everybody. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, everybody. My pleasure, guys. Take it easy. One, two, three.
five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.